Hopefully you brought your Bible with you today. If you didn't, look off the real Christian next to you <laughs> that brought theirs. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 3. title of the message today is Get a Grip. You ever said that to anybody? Anybody ever said that to you? Get a grip. Mark chapter number 3. And we'll read verses 1 through 3. Are you ready? And Jesus entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. And the Pharisees watched Jesus whether he would heal the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. That's lower than low. That's lower than low. And Jesus said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, the Pharisees, Is it lawful? To do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they didn't say a word. And when Jesus had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said unto the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. Let's pray, Father. We ask and pray, God, that you would illuminate my mind and my spirit to be able to preach this word today. And God, that it would not fall upon hard ground, but Lord, it would fall upon good ground. And Lord, it would take root and grow within that person's life. And Lord, it would bring forth eventually a hundredfold. Bless and minister today, God, as only you can. May your Holy Spirit do his work. In Jesus' name, amen. 2,000 years ago, the synagogue was filled with people. Ceremony and ritual was the mode of how they done things. And in through all of that walks a person. When Jesus entered into the synagogue, the Bible says every eye was upon him. And when he looked over the crowd and he saw the man with the withered hand, Jesus knew immediately, there's my sermon for the day. And what's incredible to me is that the Pharisees, knowing that Jesus had compassion and the power of God to be able to heal this man, and they was waiting for him to do just that, so that they could speak out against Jesus because he healed someone on the Sabbath day. Let me tell you something about religion. Because that's what the Pharisees were. They were religious. Religion is a dangerous thing. But what do you mean by that, preacher? Only just a few times in the Bible, I think in the book of James, where, where Christianity is called religion, and it's called pure religion. By separating it from everything else that was unpure. Religion 
is willing to go out, for instance, we see this on the news. Anybody that's willing to strap a bomb to their child and tell their child, go into that group of people that we hate and let yourself be blowed up, that's religion. Goldie Meir, who was the first prime minister, no, one of the prime ministers of Israel, made this famous statement. She said, as long as the Muslims hate us more than they love their own children, we will have problems. And that's a mouthful. And again, those people that are doing that are thinking that Allah, or their God, is telling them to do that. Religion is a dangerous thing. That's why the Bible, what we have, is not a religion. What we have is a relationship with the living God. Relationship with the living God. And they were waiting to accuse Jesus of doing something grand and something great for this man. The man had the withered hand. There's nothing wrong with this guy except he can't come to grip with things. Can't get a grip on things. Much like the guy that was in the Bible that was blind. Nothing wrong with that man except he just can't see. I see that from time to time. I preach a message or talk to somebody and people will tell me that, well, preacher, I, I just can't see where there's anything wrong with me drinking a few beers or having some wine or some whiskey. I just can't see. Therein lies the problem. I can't see. I can't see. There was a couple at the Centralia branch a few weeks ago that went to a St. Louis Cardinal baseball game, and there, while they're watching the baseball game, in walks a pastor from Centralia and his wife, and both of them carrying their beers. Let me repeat that. A pastor from Centralia and his wife, and both of them carrying their beers into the ball game. Let me tell you something. This is what I learned a long time ago by one of the pastors that I had. He told me that preacher, at that time I wasn't wearing any, I wasn't wearing any socks. I'd come to church and not have socks on. And I was up on the platform from time to time reading scriptures. And different people of the church went to the pastor and said, that ain't right, that young guy. It was a story a long time ago. <laughs> that young guy getting up on the platform not wearing socks. And he said, you leave him alone, I'll, I'll be the one to, to straighten him out. And he said, basically what I told them was, listen, it'll turn winter time and he'll put his socks on. <laughs> when I left there to come to pastor here, here's what he told me. I don't have anything to tell you except this. You start wearing socks. He said, if you don't wear socks, your congregation won't wear shoes. <laughs> They're going to live a, a level or two below what leadership lives. And when I heard that about that pastor and his, and his wife, I'm thinking, good grief. If they're, if they're drinking, there's no telling what the church is doing. Yeah. A couple said when they seen them, said it was, it was B&B, boobs and beer, when they was walking in. 
It was spilling over their glass and spilling over her top. You know, a Bible verse on that, I thought the other day would be, lo and behold. There's your Bible. There'd be your, your Bible verse on that. Wouldn't it? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Listen to these words that Paul writes. Take hold on to eternal life. Get a grip on eternal life. Preacher, my time hasn't come yet to be saved. That is foolishness. The devil sold you a bill of goods. The Bible says that today is the day and now is the accepted time. That's what the Bible says. Not some foolishness. Oh, oh well, I just ain't feeling it right now. Oh, if they just sung the, the right song that I thought they was going to sing, then I'd be saved. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Now is the accepted time. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and have goosebumps shall be saved. No, 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 no. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord when they sing just the right song shall be saved. No, 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 no. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. He that comes to Jesus will not be cast out. It's not an educated he that comes to Jesus will not be cast out. It's not an intellectual he that comes to Jesus will not be cast out. No, it's he. It's whosoever will. Thank God for that truth. Okay, I, I, I went and looked the other day. I took me a pencil and paper and wrote it all down. Around Kay's bathtub, what do they call it? A soaker tub is what that is. And around the edge of that bathtub, all the way around, I just wrote down everything that's around that. How many is interested in hearing what's around her <laughs> tub? There was a vase with flowers. There was just a vase with nothing in it. There was a wash rag laying there, a razor, soap, an in-style beauty magazine, Sonoma Spa Lavender Bubble Bath, Volumizing Shampoo, Volumizing Conditioner, Volume Restore Conditioner. <laughs> and all you really need is soap and water. <laughs> and some people need shampoo. In Acts chapter 20, it says these two things. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's made this thing real simple. God's made this thing so plain and he's put it on the lower shelf again that whosoever will can grasp a hold of it, thank God. In Isaiah 27, God says, take hold of my strength. I called Don and Rhonda Tucker a few nights ago. And this was the words out of Rhonda's mouth. Mark, I don't know how people get by without the strength that God can give. She says, my faith is getting me through. I love the story of the woman that she found out that she had cancer. She was raising two kids. And she said, every day she got up and she prayed, Lord, I can't die today. I've got these two kids. Now, you can call on me some other time. But right now, I'm just too busy with these two kids. Every day, she'd get up the next day. Lord, I'm busy raising these two kids. 
Ain't nobody else going to be able to, to raise them. I, I'm right here. I've got, to, I've got to raise them. You can call me some other time, but not right now. That happened every day, every day. She didn't pass on until 25 years later to where she had those kids grown. Thank God for that kind of faith where you know you can take hold of God's strength. Bible talks about taking hold of the word of God. And I don't think that means casually. Casually taking hold of the word of God would be like this. And about anything could knock the word of God out of your hand. And then if you had two fingers, it's going to be a little more certain. And then if you've got three, and then if you've got four, that's why the Bible talks about in the Old Testament that they took hold of their sword. They took hold of their sword. We're going to do the same thing. Take hold, not in a casual, oh, well, I get what the preacher says on Sunday, and that's about it. You got to get more than that. It, that's, a, that's a one amen out of a crowd of I don't know how many hundred. You've got to have more than me preaching on Sunday morning. You need to every day of your life spend time reading the Bible. I don't care even if it's a chapter a day. It's the word of God and it can get within us and it can do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. If you'll let that happen. Hold fast. There's a number of times in the Bible about five, five or six, where that's mentioned. Hold fast. Hold fast onto something. They held fast to their sword. Hold fast. Hold fast means to hold down. It means to hold against. You got to hold fast when you give your dog a bath. That's, the, that's the, what it, it's mentioning. That's what it means. Five things that God tells us to hold fast. It means it's extremely important. It means that there's five things that the enemy wants you to let loose of. Every time we go to Chicago or we're in a big group of people, I always tell Kay, get a grip on your purse. <laughs> I don't say that about her earrings. They fall out anyway. Half the, oh, I've lost my earring. Where's my earring at? Like, oh, who cares? I tell her to get a grip on the purse because that is something that's valuable. Get a grip. Get a grip. There's going to be things that, that these five things a Christian can lose. That's why God said you got to hold fast. They are number one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Hold fast that which is good. We're living in a country, and the further time goes on, the further I can see this. To where good is bad and bad is good. The number one Halloween costume this year they're predicting will be the Miley Cyrus twerking costume. We are calling bad good, and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. And that's why God says, hold fast to that which is good. And yet, as a society, we are laughing and making fun of things that is good. And God said, hold fast to it. Number two, in Hebrews chapter 3, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope that's firm in the Lord. This is why David said in the Bible, and think of this. David said, I will praise the Lord more and more. 
not more and then it fizzles out. Now, let me talk to the older people. Usually I'm like this to the young people. Let me talk to the older people. If we don't watch out, and I said we, that's right. If we don't watch out, we'll become a wet blanket. If we don't watch out, we'll become that fuddy-duddy that we used to think, oh, that guy, he's a fuddy, and now we're the fuddy-duddy. Hmm. Oh, you got to watch out for that guy. He's wildfire. Well, usually in, a, in any given church, there's enough wet blankets to go around that you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> They'll put the guy with wildfire plumb out. Because we're older and, well, we're more seasoned. Praise more and more. In Psalms chapter 1, the word praise is not mentioned at all. In Psalms 150, David's last psalm, it's mentioned 13 times. He lived what he preached. He praised God in his life more and more. Well, I'm just a, a seasoned citizen. Oh, I'm just a veteran in this. Oh, well, I'm just, uh, I know a little bit more. I'm, I'm just not that excitable anymore. More and more, it's what David said. One of the greatest Christian people to ever live, and he said, I praise God more and more. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Share your faith. And we try to make that easy around here. Grab some CDs and hand them out to somebody. Good grief, somebody took interest in you and wanted to see you born again. You need to take interest in someone else. And then God says to really not let you uh, 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 think this is not important. Then he says the same thing again almost. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast of our profession. There it is again. Now let me explain that. In the Old Testament, they had six cities of refuge where if you unintentionally killed someone, you could run to those cities of refuge and you were safe, you were safe as long as the great high priest was alive. The moment he died and someone else took his place, you then was kicked out of the city of refuge. You was no longer safe. Here's how this worked. Once you got put in, in, in one of those cities of refuge, you started, you started emailing <laughs> You started emailing your wife outside saying, hey, send the great high priest some, some fiber. Uh, 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 send him some real good bread. Send him something. Send him some vitamins because you didn't want him to die. That's why this verse is so important. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, there he is, the Lord Jesus Christ, who the Bible says forever lives to make intercession for us. I am safe. You know why? Because my great high priest forever lives. I don't have to worry about he's going to get sick and he's going to die and somebody else going to have to take his place and then I'm no longer safe. No, I'm saved because he forever lives. Thank God for that truth. 
That excites me. He forever lives to make intercession for you and for me. And then the fifth one, 2 Timothy 1. Hold fast unto the sound teaching which you have heard. Hold fast. Now, you know why? I don't know why this is. Some goof or some clown can get up in front of people and speak untruth and total heresy and people will remember that all of their life. And yet truth has got to be preached and preached and preached and preached and preached. And then finally it's like, oh yeah, I got it. I understand what he's saying. Same principle as you planting in your garden. You don't have to plant those weeds. Those weeds just come up. They're there. I mean, they're just there. And yet, every those tomatoes, you gotta, you gotta water, you gotta take care of, you gotta make sure that nothing's around it. Same principle there. Don't let the word of God that is taught to you. Uh, Dr. Moult said something to me uh, last night that I just love. He said the, the service over at uh, Fairfield Branch last week when they had. Uh, the modified youth and, and said that uh, three of the modified youth kids got up and spoke. He said, you can tell that it's not just fun and games. Those kids, those teenagers are being instructed in the Bible. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Because it's not about me getting up here on a, on a pogo stick or a unicycle or, or preaching 100 miles an hour with my hair on fire. <laughs> Ain't got nothing to do with that. It's me giving you the word of God and that becoming real in your life and that steering you in the way that you need to live your life. That's what it's about. So stay awake when I preach, praise God. <laughs> and the last one, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. The man with the withered hand, Jesus told him, stand forth. And he stood up from the crowd. And then Jesus says the really hard part, stretch forth. Let's say that that man's gnarled hand was his right hand. Every person is looking at what's going on that day. And Jesus is saying, stretch forth. He didn't say stretch forth your withered hand. He said, stretch forth your hand. That's what the Bible says he said. Stretch forth your hand. We all want to look good in front of everybody. And the natural tendency would have been for him to stretch forth his good hand and say, there's nothing wrong with me. But when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, that man knew what he meant. And he stretched forth a gnarled up hand. And Jesus restored it whole as the other. God's telling us individually, one by one, each and every one, when there's something in our life 
Don't put on a false face. Don't act like that you're something that's re- that you're really not. If you've got a problem and a trouble, you bring that to him. When he says you come forward, what he's saying is you bring that problem to me. And I know natural tendency is stretch forth that good hand. But God's saying stretch forth that hand that's got problems and see what I can do with it. Would you bow your heads? Ask those that's going to be water baptized for you to prepare right now, please. The amazing thing about this man 2,000 years ago, and I really like this about this guy, where did Jesus find this man? He was in the synagogue. This man was in the synagogue. He hadn't lost his faith. Even though there was something that bothered him every day of his life and made life more difficult, he didn't say, God, if you're like this and you're not going to touch me, I'm not even going to go to church. He didn't do that. Jesus found him in the synagogue. Thank God. Thank God. When I see people that struggle and have problems, and they're still right here in the house of God, that's faith. That's what Jesus is looking for. Thank God for that person that won't give up, that won't give up. No matter what's confronted their life, they won't give up. Where did Jesus find this man? He was in the synagogue reaching out. Thank God. Lord, touch this group here this day. Lord, for someone here that needs Jesus in their life, maybe they've never asked Jesus to be their Savior. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, that you will knock upon their heart. And Lord, they would be inclined to answer and stand forth and stretch forth just like that man thousands of years ago. In your name we're praying, Lord. Amen. Would you keep your head bowed just for a moment? If you're here this morning and let's just cut right to to the chase. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You just never have. We want to, let's deal with that today. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, but right now today, you want that. The Holy Spirit is knocked. He's knocked upon your heart today. I want you to raise your hand. If you're here today, you never ever in your life have said yes to Jesus in your life. Anybody? Raise your hand high enough for me to be able to see it. Okay. Looks like everybody's saying, yep, I'm ready for Jesus. If he'd take me right now, I'm ready for heaven. If that's true, thank God for that. Now, the second part of this, if you're here today and you have a need, whatever that need would be, we want you to come forward and pray, and there will be people that will pray with you. God told the man, stand forth, and then he told him, stretch forth. We want you to do that today. We want you to stand where you're, where you're at. We want you to come forward to the, to the altar 
and stretch your faith to him. And we're going to believe God for the big part. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Come right on.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.